Hi, I'm Kieran, and for Christmas, I really want universal basic income. And I'm Jacob. The horrors continue, but so do I. And this, and this is, is Chit Chat from Pop Goes Capitalism. This month's headlines, a lack of sentience at the Cenotaph. Parents are getting better at standing up to schools. And artificial intelligence goes through a very human crisis. But first, Kieran, hello. Hello. It's Pop Goes Capitalism, it's Chit Chat, and I have one question for you. Yes. How have you been coping with late-stage capitalism this month? Well, I fully gave in to late-stage capitalism this month by transitioning onto my MacBook and fully joining the Apple ecosystem. Consumerism at its finest. Um, But politics (laughs) aside, it has actually been wonderful and it's so much better for music production than my old laptop, so I'm living my best life. Yes. I, I, I've heard things about Apple. I've, I've never seen or understood the benefits because when I was in college, they were like, you must use the Apple software, no. Jacob, on the Apple Macs in college. And there's me with my little Microsoft laptop going, like, I need to use Sony <laughs> Vegas 7. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've never quite understood the MacBook empire. But is, I, it, is, it, is it working for you? Is it easing the pain? I, it, no. No. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but it is it is working though because i'm speaking to you yeah it's a temporary distraction it's a different way of not easing the pain (laughs) it's a different flavor it's a different flavor of laptop (laughs) it's apple flavor rather than i don't know whatever windows tastes like grass (laughs) mined from the uh the lawn of whatever his face is called bill gates (laughs) Oh no, not Bill Gates. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh, it that's, tastes like vaccines. That's what it is. That's a can of worms or a can of microchips. Who knows? Um, mm, right. Delicious. <laughs> Swiftly moving on. <laughs> oh, Jacob, how have you been coping with late stage capitalism this month? I went on a sleeper train to Cornwall. I hurt my back trying to sleep on the thinnest bed humankind has ever known. Uh, And I've slept on friends' floors in the past, so that's saying something. And then became semi-viral on TikTok from the video I made about it. Slay. 10,000 views, which is a lot for me. I know it's not in TikTok terms, but for me, that's good. So leave me alone, haters. Well, in a way, in a way, I mean, TikTok is kind of anti-capitalist in the sense that you can get like a million views on TikTok and barely make and get any none money. of the money from it. Yeah. So, you know, in, in a sense. Um, but did it work? Did it ease the pain? No, no, it didn't. And that's that on that. Mariah Carey is truly defrosting and All I Want for Christmas Is You has already risen to number 16 in this week's UK Top 40. 
Similarly, this month saw the defrosting of an ugly section of society that goes quiet from time to time, but never truly goes away. The Mm. alt-right. Practically since protests had started in support of a ceasefire in Gaza, Suella Braverman was calling them hate marches, based on the actions of an incredibly minute number of people in attendance. This all started to come to a head as Armistice Day approached. Coincidentally, what? <laughs> Armistice Day? Armistice? Wait, did I... What? I thought it was Armistice. 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 Oh. Armistice. <laughs> Unless I've been doing it wrong. Oh, that's I thought a... it was armistice, armistice rather than armistice. Oh. I'm oh, ju- God flag Twitter is going to be on our asses now. You know what? From this point on, I'm going to call it Armistice. I Ooh, think that has that a little makes it flair find much Frencher to it. To it. Armistice. Um, armistice. That's my drag name. <laughs> armistice. Armistice Day. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, so this all started to come to a head as our oh, day approach. <laughs> <laughs> as um, that was the day. <laughs> Say it really fast. Um, coincidentally, this year, uh, Armistice Day was on a Saturday, the day upon which the weekly ceasefire protests had been taking place. So. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak claimed that the planned protests on Armistice Day, that sounds so weird to me, Armistice, but I think you're right. (laughs) Armistice Day would be, quote, provocative and disrespectful. Citation needed. (laughs) Yeah. A protest calling for a ceasefire is, of course, clearly disrespectful on a day marked in the British calendar for remembrance of the horrors of war. Marching for ceasefire on a day that's basically called Ceasefire Day? Unthinkable. Truly is unthinkable. (laughs) You just, you could not make it up. Yeah. Um, So the Metropolitan Police urged organisers to postpone the protest, but said that the protest would not be banned. Rishi Sunak vowed to hold the chief of the Metropolitan Police accountable for the decision if the safety of the public was not protected. Swella Bravman went a step further in riling up the right wing, accusing the police of favouritism towards left-wing activists, Truly one of the most delusional takes I've heard this year. (laughs) Approaching Armistice Day, the call to action for the right became increasingly clear. Protect the cenotaph. I can't even say it without letting out a little chuckle. Um, protect it's like a video game <laughs> man we must protect the cenotaph at all costs. I mean uh, Ava Santina um, I don't know if you know her I think no, she's the one. She's the one uh, who Lawrence Fox commented on, and that got him sacked from GB News. Didn't actually. Oh, is that? I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to GB News. I never have been. <laughs> made he made the comment that uh, nobody would shag her. Oh God! As basically like his critique of her and her <laughs> arguments. I mean, Jesus. 
fuck? I mean, I would personally, would I shag Ava Santina? No, I'm gay, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't like make her points irrelevant. You know what <laughs> On I mean? On a personal level, I would not shag, but. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what does that, what relevance that, does that bear? Oh my God, it's that sickening. should be how we do political discourse forevermore now. It's like, I would not, like, you have to preface everything you say with, I would not personally shag the Prime Minister, however. I mean, if we didn't listen... I think he has a good point. (laughs) If we didn't listen to people we didn't want to shag, then I guess no one would ever listen to a Tory again. It'd all be a big orgy. (laughs) It would just be a big orgy. If we wanted to shag everyone, it would be the world's biggest swingers club. It'd be great. Oh, God. This Um, Sorry, I'm derailing the story, but wow. Yeah, but Ava Santina um, on uh, Joe Politics, Politics Joe, mm. said, yeah, like, made the point, like, I do just want to remind everyone that this is a piece of rock and, like, <laughs> nobody's buried inside it or anything. I saw one of those over the uh, week in Cornwall. <laughs> like, rocks around there. <laughs> Somebody tried to build a chapel in one. Uh, <laughs> like, it is just a rock, but, um, yeah. Turning Point UK, Tommy Robinson (laughs) and others (laughs) called for patriots to come to the cenotaph to protect it from the scary pro-Palestinian mob. Spoilers, but the scary pro-Palestinian mob was like families and kids and just people generally marching for peace and a ceasefire and like... Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense, though. Israel seems to think that Palestinian children are are terrorists. So, you know, I guess. There's a base (laughs) in every child. (laughs) Um, I have to put a hanger inside this child. It's if it oh it's too dark it's so bad. Oh god, we laugh or we cry, but we should be crying. Um, uh, and believe me, I have been. Don't worry, I've done plenty of that. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. The crying is happening off, off air. <laughs> um, yeah, um, the Metropolitan Police even set up an exclusion zone around the cenotaph against the pro-Palestinian protesters. So also, it was... Weren't the demonstrations never going there anyway? I thought the yeah. path was, like, clearly not anywhere near the cenotaph. E- it was just, like, that e- was the right-wing yeah. sort of going for, like, a hate point of, like, they're going to try and disrespect the war dead by calling for there to be less war dead or something like that. Yeah, uh... <sighs> With the exclusion zone, though, it's absolutely wild because the exclusion zone was specifically set up for the Palestine protesters. Who weren't going anywhere near. Yeah, but it was specifically <laughs> like, we'll be, we're putting this exclusion zone in place that means we'll be able to arrest you if. And then it was basically like, if, you're, if you seem to be affiliated with the protest. So it didn't protect the cenotaph ba-dum-tsh, against what I'm going to get onto. As you just mentioned, this was all despite the fact that the route for the demonstration never planned to even come close to the cenotaph and the fact that it was due to start in the afternoon after the Armistice Day service. So yeah, we remembered them and then we went on the march. <laughs> yeah, we had an eventful day. Um <laughs> Yeah, so much like the ominous chiming of a few bells, you could already tell what was coming. 
On Armistice Day, far-right thugs broke down crowd control barriers in an attempt to storm the cenotaph. With beer cans and vapes in hand, they chanted, I'm English till I die, fighting with police officers and some even throwing fireworks at them. More than 90 people from this mob, dubbed counter-protesters, were arrested and nine police officers were injured. The counter to the uh, peaceful protest for peace, for a ceasefire, uh, were the people marching in favour of violence by the sense of it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I hate how they've been calling them counter-protesters because it's like, what are you protesting against? I mean, I have a pretty good guess. People of (laughs) colour. Yeah, pretty much. That's who. They don't care who. Yeah. Um, yeah. Many members of the violent mob explicitly cited Braverman's divisive rhetoric as their reason for going to the cenotaph. I don't think it was divisive. It was very much a rallying call. <laughs> yeah. If you just zoom in on one particular like area of society, it wasn't divisive at all. <laughs> Come protect the cenotaph. Break down the walls. Is that- uh, yeah, despite this, Rishi Sunak only had the guts to sack Braverman two days later as part of a cabinet reshuffle that tried to divert attention away from the Braverman shit show by summoning the ghost of alleged pig fucking past back to government. Oh man, the Hulk really is back. <laughs> so, to summarise, Braverman and the Tory party whipped up a mass panic about a peaceful protest on Armistice Day, which did not clash with the service, temporally or geographically. (laughs) Nevertheless, this mass panic led to calls from right-wingers to protect the cenotaph, which led to a violent mob coalescing there, who fought with and threw fireworks at the police. Our Prime Minister, even then, only had the guts to quietly remove the primary instigator of this madness as part of a cabinet reshuffle. (sighs) Jacob, what are your thoughts on this absolute mess? (laughs) God, what a shit show. And I highly encourage everyone to listen to it. Now, I can't remember which podcast it was. It was either Trash Future or Podcasting is Praxis, who read, I think it was Podcasting is Praxis, who read... Braverman's resignation letter, and it is hysterical. Ooh. It is so petty and bitchy towards Rishi Sunak. It is hilarious. Oh, um, my goodness. It's not even shocking. It's not even shocking. This is just how the government works now. Um, I think a lot of people were shocked by the uh, shock return of uh, pig fucker himself, <laughs> Mr. Carman. Allegedly. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like that was said like without the need for an allegedly and i i am i'm willing to, to just call him that but um <laughs> i was I half ex- don't know if i am i am was I gonna get sued for this i was half expecting you to cut me off mid-sentence and be like we're gonna have to beat that out kira <laughs> no we are not we're keep well you said allegedly yeah so i did fine. it's me that didn't <laughs> allegedly 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 <laughs> i saw this i saw this tweet which is like i hope she's okay and it was this picture of a pig. And I was just <laughs> like, shit. Wasn't it an old boys school? <laughs> but it's like... I hope he's okay. It's like, oh, yeah. I, I, it really, it's just like cabinet reshuffle. And it's like, and 
And I mean, I really don't get why Rishi Sunak has been so, so like, meek and pathetic with with this, you know? I don't, I don't get it. Like, well, I think the most shocking thing about the whole David Cameron thing, really, is the fact that to make him a lord, to bring him back, because he's not elected. He left. Yeah. He's not an MP. And now he is, like, in charge of, what is it, foreign secretary stuff. Yep. Like, that is batshit to me to begin with. I thought you if could... If you want another yeah. example of this reshuffle being wild, my friend who is on my train Twitter, transgenderism, I'm going to plug that right here because why not, <laughs> um, sent me that the uh, minister for something something and HS2, because they still include that in a ministerial title, lives wow. so far away from HS2 in the deep south of the UK. It's like, what? what is uh... even the point? It doesn't even affect you. Maybe. And your government's already cancelled most of it. Maybe they'll reroute it. You know, <laughs> they're rerouting it down south. Yeah, fuck the into north into the middle of yeah. the ocean. Yeah, maybe they'll just make a second fucking channel tunnel. You know, oh, a channel tunnel to where though? Spain? <laughs> uh, no, to France again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go to France again next to the old one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll <laughs> make it like you know, like one way. Each tunnel will be like one way. That that's. That's already how it works. There's three tunnels. Uh, there's one that goes one way, one that goes the other, and then a, a relief tunnel for emergencies in the middle. Oh. There's I three didn't... channel tunnels. What the fuck? Technically. Did you not know that? <laughs> there's three tunnels down there. That's not like governments to call it like the Euro tunnel. We'd be like, like the government, uh, I would expect I mean, the government to be like, tunnel. we have three tunnels. You know what I mean? Like they would Yeah, but this them. was like back in the day, back when things were just like just this. And I mean Margaret it was Margaret Thatcher's one who oversaw it, wasn't it? And really? she hated it most of the time. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and wasn't it our side that was really horribly mistreated, our workforce, and the French side were like having grandiose meals or something. Really? Before they broke through, uh, something that don't quote me on that one. That's probably hearsay, but there's something like that, and there was wow. a lot of like um, inequity in uh, the building of our side versus the French side of the tunnels. That must be uh, why yeah. we voted Brexit. <laughs> we voted Brexit to nuke the Channel Tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Brexit. Iconic. Oh man. But Those yeah, what I days. think of the uh, whole cenotaph thing is just it's such a blatant and obvious example of the far right whipping up hate where hate isn't. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I... <laughs> Armistice Day is like ceasefire day. It's yeah. like come on, you cannot misunderstand this. You are doing this on purpose, and I hope everybody realizes it. Spoiler, they didn't, but still. Yeah. No, um, I said, I said to my husband Rico, um, um, like we were watching the coverage, and I can't remember at what point it was, but I said, oh no, it was like a couple days before. It was when Turning Point UK and Tommy Robinson were like gearing up. Because for those who don't know, my husband's from Germany. So he's not being, oh, yeah. so he's not like grown up with UK politics. He's not grown up with this shit show. Yeah, and didn't really see like the the EDF, e, no, not EDF. They're a different type of evil. Uh, EDL. Yeah, EDL. And yeah, League. BNP and all that. BNP was it? I, I yeah, forget the name. Was... 
British Nationalist Party. Too many acronyms. Um, but like he didn't really see all of that. And and I said, Rika, there is gonna be violence. Mark my words, there will be. And it's mm-hmm. gonna be from the people marching to protect the cenotaph. And I said, I said, they're all gonna go down there, they're all gonna get drunk before lunchtime and then they're all gonna fight the police and chant like nationalist slogans and they're basically all going down there for something to do like a party they 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 love the police only when the police are attacking the left they hate the police every other time and they will just go at them yeah probably way more than the left would yeah the left fight in self-defense they just go for them yeah, and and so we were watching the coverage, and then it came up on the news, and I was like, "I told you so! I told you! Look, <laughs> look! Oh my god!" Because I was like, I felt so vindicated. <laughs> Vine boom sound effect. <laughs> I got it right. Because <laughs> the left is cursed with memory. <sighs> so, what else has been happening in the news? Ah, see, this this is this is becoming a theme of ours actually. Schools. So, the unwritten rules of the charts is that your song enters and then leaves. Mariah Carey, along with her cohort of Christmas classics, could be seen as rule breakers in that respect because every year, without fail, they all turn up in the top forty looking for a party, mm-hmm. much like Mariah's yearly defrost. Parents in the UK are increasingly willing to challenge school rules. That is according to head of Ofsted, Amanda Spindleman. (laughs) In her final report, she says there is an unwritten agreement ensuring families take their children to school and respect the policies in return for a good education. It has been fractured. Over the 2022-2023 academic year, 22.3% of pupils were persistently absent, missing at least 10% of lessons. Some of these were due to an increase in mental health problems, Amanda told Radio 4's Woman's Hour, but also Mm. families becoming more relaxed about children missing school for the odd days or term time holidays. Maybe, maybe she just didn't consider that schools are shit and need a complete reimagination in order to offer children anything even remotely positive. But I don't know. What am I saying? (laughs) Her report also raises concerns about the increase in part-time timetables, something I know a lot about from my own schooling. The Um... government says these should only be used in exceptional circumstances only and never as a sanction for poor poor behaviour. But the report says the increase is partly due to a delay in assessments for school refusal or special educational needs and disabilities. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. And here's the (laughs) kicker. Ofsted has also seen an increase in parents complaining about school policies and is calling for greater central guidance on a range of issues from uniform policies uh, to the delicate choices around curriculum for relationships and sex education read that as anti-lgbt parents and the handling of transgender and other identity issues left in large part to head teachers kieran any of that surprising you at all Mm, no not really (laughs) no what Um, uh yeah never i mean school i mean at this point after like how however many years of austerity, like 
schools are just really down the shitter, aren't they? I would argue they've always been that way, but like definitely more so now than ever before. Yeah, I mean, like, so it's just nothing can surprise me really. I found I found it really interesting that they they talk about school refusal because the whole thing with school refusal. Yeah, what is, is that? I don't actually know what that is. <laughs> That's when children like me say, "Fuck this! I'm never going back again." And uh, don't. Okay. And then they have to get like referred to several services and homeschooled for a bit, and then try forced to go back in. And then you get to a specialist oh, school, and you okay. realize school actually was quite a big problem. And blah, 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 blah. But, like, uh, <laughs> the delay in assessments for school refusal or special education on needs and disabilities, those two go together pretty solidly, I would say. And the delay is because you all underfunded them. Yeah. And also schools are shit anyway. Like, I understand the need for separate schools, and I will fight for any child that has access needs to need to go to a school that specialises in, like, an education where they can get something out of it. But, um, like... My understanding of, like, the dream of schools is that we want kids to be together in an inclusive environment so that they can learn and grow rather than be forced to conform, sit exams, be tortured extensively by various sensory distressing things, amongst other things. And just, I talk about school being autistic hell, and it really is. So, like, this is so far from surprising to me that I just had to include it as my story because um, this this bitch is leaving her role now and has said, like, this is all COVID's fault. It's not. It's a big oh, cocktail of shit. It's off. COVID mixed in with inequality, austerity, the fact that schools are shit anyway, underfunded. Like, there's so many factors that just got went over her smooth brain i mean covid really <laughs> i'm sorry like using well, that as your get i can understand clause, that though. being the catalyst for parents seeing how much happier their kids are being schooled from home because school was such a shockingly bad yeah. environment that they're just like i don't care if you stay home for like three days a week and go in two days a week or just never go back to school. Like, I understand that and I encourage parents to go further, not to quote Keir Starmer, but I do. Because the only way we're going to fix this is if we start actually going, actually, no. Yeah, I mean, that (laughs) means... So, lol, this is based, I like this. That doesn't really... Yeah, like, COVID's not the problem in that case. It's just like the, the, like, the different lens needed to, like, look at the crumbling school system and mm. go like oh yeah no it really is shit and then like and not to mention that it. covid was also like horribly mismanaged when it came to schools that we were Ugh. just like yeah the kids need to be in school though that's very important like, yeah no i mean schools <laughs> in general i mean schooling in general is always just hyper fixated on exams and <laughs> grades and then and attendance don't forget attendance. They fucking yeah. love that one. Especially, also, if you... Just just a little bit off topic. If you have a special educational need of any kind or disability, that school gets funding only when you attend. And that is why they are so... No. So up on attendance when it comes to kids like me. Because they get the oh funding when God. I go into that school. So they have an incentive there. And I find that batshit to begin with because... Ah! Yeah, that like being like... Like a directly capitalist like 
thing. Like it's <laughs> yeah. not even a couple layers removed. It's like we will give you money if you manage to get this person in. Yeah, and especially with achievers like like people that can like excel academically like in the right environment. Like yeah. I didn't excel, let's say I got decent-ish grades. But if you are getting those sort of grades that will keep the school average up, they have even more of an incentive to keep you there yeah. and get the extra funding for you. Whereas if you are a student like somebody I know in my family, they will just forget about you if you stop Ouch. coming in because your grades are not very good. Oh, and because God. there's three of us in this household who have been through a very similar journey, let's say, we can sort of speak anecdotally to this absolutely being the case. I mean, that's that's wild. So yeah, I have strong opinions on schools. Maybe I should do a podcast called Pop Goes Schools. <laughs> Pop Goes. <laughs> Where I blow up my old school. Pop which go- is not correct oh. because they're actually doing that to refurbish it. Oh my God. <laughs> Pop Goes. Pop Goes my old school. Pop Goes Education. <laughs> Yeah, where we bring a load of pop stars in to teach kids and just be like, these are your teachers now. <laughs> or pop grades capitalism. Oh, that's a good one. Oh my God, brainstorming. Love it. <laughs> On air admin, I'm going to cut this out and make it. <laughs> cool. Anyway, any other, anything else you want to say on education before we move on to our last chit chat? Um, just a sad sign in general, you know, <laughs> and that's me done. <laughs> Sam Altman had an eventful month in November. Sam Altman, for those who don't know, is the co-founder of OpenAI, creators of the now infamous ChatGPT. He was also the CEO of OpenAI from 2018, when Elon Musk resigned, until Friday, November 17th. Oh, that's recently. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Actually, I've just realised I don't know this story. So this is oh, news really? to me. Okay, this, mm. oh, you're in for a ride. I'm excited that you don't know this. Okay, so on November 17th, while Mariah Carey's Christmas classic, All I Want for Christmas is You, rose to number 28 on the UK Top 40, OpenAI's board declared that they had no confidence in Sam Altman's leadership. Oh, shit. The board claimed, following a, quote, deliberative review process, that he had not been, quote, consistently candid in his communications with the board. Whatever the hell that means. Oh, dear. Yeah. So this to the public seemed to come out of, like, nowhere, much like Mariah Carey every November 1st. (laughs) OpenAI has been incredibly successful in the past year and is probably the most well-known AI company in the world. So why did they fire him? Hmm. So OpenAI began in 2015 as a non-profit and added a for-profit subsidiary in 2019. But, yeah weird um but to my like to my understanding i did a lot of reading for this but this shit is so like confusing i feel like intentionally so um to my understanding the non-profit board remained in charge of both the non-profit and the for-profit subsidiary so (laughs) yeah so according to cara swisher 
Um, I don't know. Name alert. Uh, Love that name. Yeah. Um, Kara Swisher. Kara Swisher's reporting and analysis said that board members that voted against Altman, side note, including the co-founder and chief scientist, Ilya Sutskeva, um, yeah, the board members that voted against Altman were concerned with Altman's potentially risky direction of the company towards profit and fast-paced development. Mm. So, to go off-piste a little bit, but for a bit more background, just from memory. Basically, OpenAI is a non-profit. Its mission statement was to create AI that betters humanity. Yeah, they were very scared about like Roko's Basilisk sort of scenarios, weren't they? they yeah, were quite. They they don't want the evil AI. They want the ethical AI. Exactly. Whatever that tends to mean. Uh, the pro-capitalist uh, ethical AI they should probably have. Yeah, but um. So yeah. so basically, like Altman comes into the company as CEO. Like he, I I think he was a co-founder. I should read. I think so. But anyway, he was made CEO in 2018, and then in 2019, mm. the year after, boom, a for-profit subsidiary. Intriguing. So he very much steered the company in this profit and fast-paced development direction, and some of the board weren't happy about this, it seems. I think it's like mm. speculation because the board haven't officially said anything. So this is all like just like, you know, through the grapevine of reporting. Oh. Yeah, so this like rift, yeah, so basically to summarise it was like two groups basically. It was the the non-profit, slow development for the betterment of humanity, let's be careful vibe group. Yeah. And then the like profit, move fast, like let's discover new things really quickly. Tribe. The capitalist approach. Yeah. Um, so this this rift that I've just outlined apparently came to a head during OpenAI's first developer conference in which they announced several new products. The board mm. members who voted against Altman also allegedly thought he was manipulative and headstrong. But it's unclear whether they even gave Altman a chance to modify his behaviour based on these criticisms. So it seems like there's a lot of shittiness going on all around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting it's OpenAI that did ChatGPT, to be honest. <laughs> I always feel like it was some, some other dipshits, but yeah. To be honest, ChatGPT, like to me, like they're ChatGPT. You know what I mean? It's like Google makes Google. Who's Alphabet? You know? <laughs> like... You just, like sometimes when they come out with a product that's so, so big, you just think of the they company get as the product. By the name of it, yeah, yeah. So I think like ChatGPT. I mean, who makes ChatGPT? ChatGPT, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, but Jacob, the story doesn't end there. I feared as much. Oh, uh, it is. Are you ready for this roller coaster? Oh this God, I don't this know I soap opera, this drama, this epic journey into the unknown. <laughs> Let's go. Following Altman's firing, the president of the board and fellow co-founder Greg Brockman also resigned. Some employees ah. also expressed their intent 
to either quit should Altman not be reinstated or to follow Altman to whatever his next business venture might be. Okay. (laughs) Now, Monday, November 20th is going to go down probably as like the most confusing day in this company's history. Oh my God. And they're a fucking AI company. It's not exactly simple shit they're doing over there. (laughs) So things came to an incredibly confusing head. The CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nadella, whose company owns 49% of the for-profit OpenAI subsidiary. That's news to me. Uh, uh, yeah, that's why they're in Bing. That's why it's so... Uh, they've Microsoft's getting so much of the AI stuff integrated because it's, it's OpenAI's stuff. Uh, yeah. Yes, the CEO of Microsoft announced that he was hiring Altman and Brockman to lead an advanced AI research group. Hmm. On the same day, 738 out of OpenAI's approximately 770 employees signed a letter threatening to leave (laughs) unless the board resigned and reinstated Altman as CEO and co-founder Brockman as president. The letter claimed that Microsoft had assured them that they would match pay for and hire any open AI employee. A claim confirmed by Microsoft. Some investors in OpenAI were also considering legal recourse against the company's board for their actions. On the following day, Tuesday, November 21st, OpenAI made their wish come true and announced that Altman and Brockman would return to their former posts with a new board instated. Jacob, what thoughts do you have on this? absolute clusterfuck of a situation i'm still trying to work out what the bit with microsoft is about were they saying <laughs> that they would hire anyone from OpenAI that wasn't happy with the decision yeah they basically or... said if you want to leave open ai you can come work for us and we'll match so basically what you this was a hostile takeover of the board is what i'm learning it was they hated the board so much they deliberately did stuff to try and get whatever his face ousted so that then there would be like an uprising so that the board, whatever the board is, can well, get like a, a better board for them put in place. Well, here's the thing. It seems like Microsoft was Team Altman. Well, yeah, clearly. Whatever the board did initially seems to be just the board, like doing the board's thing, own thing. But then, yeah, it seems like Microsoft definitely like puppet mastered this to have a certain outcome yeah some some somewhere that board was annoying the profitability of yeah. altman or microsoft or both and their plans for products and stuff or ethics behind products and so they needed to get rid of them and yeah. this was their their grand scheme to do as such and it makes sense Good given that God. given that like the rumor goes that the the board members that voted against Altman were like the more non-profit, slow development, be careful vibe. 
Um, and and I can't. I mean, I feel like what I just said is very like chock a block full of information. So I just want to highlight something that I like really passively like just went over. The chief scientist and co-founder voted against Altman. Yeah, I can see. That. Which is like <laughs> quite severe. Yeah. The interesting component to it, though, I have to say, is like basically all of OpenAI's employees saying bring him back and you need to fuck off like I think that that's interesting that is interesting like what I I mean there's probably a bit of job security coming into that but like why what 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 maybe it is actually fun working for Altman I mean Uh, who knows I'm gonna hazard a guess as to no because if it's anything like Elon Musk then yeah the previous whatever is face ceo of this company yeah i mean maybe maybe that maybe that maybe they think that like their job security and like salary is attached to altman like oh yeah altman's <sighs> done such a good job getting this company more money which means we have more money so if we don't have altman maybe we have someone karma who can grow things less quickly and then we don't continue to benefit but then when it's it weird to non-profits to but then oh yeah also wait no but of course we're, we're missing one component that you mentioned earlier on which is the microsoft of it all because microsoft mm. offered to rehire anyone so then yeah. i guess for the employees the choice became a start a new job i'll have the same pay so everything's fine and i don't have to worry but it's still a new job with microsoft Mm. or sign this letter saying that i want every i want us to forget this shitty weekend and go on as before like it never happened and when you compare those two options like yeah i want to go on and pretend like nothing happened i guess it's so weird. like non-profits are really uh, like a whole thing aren't they they're a very weird entity to begin with because Unless it's doing something like human good, this isn't human good. This is a like weird theory of the future that hasn't even been proven to be a threat. My sort of pet yeah. theory about this big fear amongst like tech elites is that they think sentient, very clever, all powerful AI will think capitalism is shit and we should probably go away with it. And that's their big fear, actually. So we need to make sure AI never thinks that capitalism's bad. But that's just me thinking aloud. Right or here. make it, <laughs> or if we make AI first and we get there first, we can control it, monetize it, and capitalize on it so that capitalism in some form can continue. Which Perhaps. it basically would be if you had a sentience trapped in a box and you were making it do things like <laughs> labor hell, or whatever. Yeah. You have created slavery, but for a sentient artificial life form. Yeah. Um, Can't get more capitalist yeah. than that, baby. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So, That's a clusterfuck. I feel like yeah. there must be either a episode coming up or co- or out already by Trash Future on that. That seems very in their ballpark. So, we've had a wee change around when it comes to the music room dun, and dun, who dun. published this. We're going to do who published it last so then we can all just scream into the void into eternity. So that means we need to talk about some songs me and Kieran really like. 
in the music room. Kieran, I'd like you to go first. Okay, so my first recommendation is Cher Drop Top Sleigh Ride featuring <laughs> Tiger. It's like so cringy, so cute, uh, so Christmassy. It just puts me in such a good mood when I listen to it. The juxtaposition from Cher and Tiger's verse that hit me like a truck. Oh my fucking god, this song. It was kind of giving me your song toys a little bit. Uh, yeah, I get you, yeah. Um, I just love it, yeah. And you should check out Cher's Christmas album because like, it, it's a fun one. Is it new? Is it her new one? Is that yeah. Or is this, like, yeah, it came out album? like a month or two ago. Oh, she was getting in early, wasn't she? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what's your first recommendation? My first rec is from Gregory Dillon, a track called Drive. I interviewed Gregory Dillon uh, a few years ago for Gadia, and this is a whole vibe, this song. The drop is mad. It's so fun. I, lo- I just love how he promotes his music and is just vibing the whole time. I, I, I really like Gregory Dillon a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I love this continuation of Gregory's dark era. Like, oh, it's that is a good so way good. of putting it. Actually, this is his dark era. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's so cool. Sounds awesome. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, what What else have you been listening to this month? Um. So I discovered this song that came out in June. Uh, on TikTok. <laughs> uh, Paris Hilton, hot one. It's just. Oh, it's just so much fun. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Personally, bop. I don't quite see it. Do you not like it? What, what the fuck is that bell that keeps going off in the song? That sounds like it was oh. like a file that was just placed there by accident. <laughs> Wait, which one? The... It was a dong dong. Ah, yeah. I love it. It's just so fun. <laughs> I'm so confused. I don't necessarily hate it. I just, I don't really know what to make of it. It's like so like electronic. I love it. It is good. I'll give you that. It's good. I just, I don't know what to make of it. To be honest. True pots and pans music. (laughs) (laughs) Like Dua Lipa did the cowbell in that one song so well. This just feels like it was there for cowbell reasons. (laughs) We need a cowbell. <laughs> yeah. I don't ever think it was a cowbell. It just sounded like a bell. Yeah. Or a dong or a dong. <laughs> so what's your uh, next recommendation? Ah, uh, this is from Lily Is That You, who came to fame on TikTok, I believe, actually. The track is called Superstar. It's just makes me really happy. I really love the way that the vocals mixed in with the instrumentals. And it's like, Lily, is that you? Da, 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 da. So cool. So cool. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that they sound like Marina and the Diamonds at some points. Like, yes, there were a couple actually, syllables. that's a great shout. There were a couple syllables where I was legit like, fucking hell, is that is that Marina? Like, so close. Um... Yeah, and I love weird spoken stuff like this. Like, it's so. <laughs> Would cool. you love me if I cut open and emptied out my veins? <laughs> what a lyric! Oh, yeah, yeah, really cool. So good, Karen. What else? What else have you been listening to? 
Um, so I can't roll my R's. So this is a difficult <laughs> track to say, but it's uh, Perfection from Real X Man and Kevin JX Prodigy. Um, just so much fun. So much fun. That's literally in my notes as well. Jealous of the amount of R rolling in this song. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> but I love it. Can you not roll your R's either? <laughs> oh, you no. kind of could. Could I? Was that? Was that? <laughs> you can't <laughs> carry on afterwards. That's the problem. Jacob, <laughs> whenever you do, whenever you do that, I can't help but imagine you some grinning and like your <laughs> eyes bulging. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is, dude. It's getting spit everywhere. Rain. Oh, me. That's like a machine gun. Uh, yeah, or no. A cat purring. I can like. I think I can like fake it when I go like. Um, arriba. 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 But I really can't. Arriba. But then you just, I can. Do, you just. You've just increased your tone a bit. Arriba. No. <laughs> Arriba. <laughs> but I can't, I can't like do it with like other words. It's really annoying because also I took Spanish for GCSE. And then like there was this one, there was this one lesson in class where everyone was just like, like, I really can't do it. That's why I sound so weird right now. But everyone was just rolling their R's for like five minutes. And I was just like, can we just get one of your demo tracks and just put all of these noises that we've just made onto it? We can make something that sounded like Paris Hill and Hot One. <laughs> And then a random bell at random intervals. <laughs> <sighs> so what's your next recommendation? Uh, another person I interviewed for Gadia. At the same time, it was Zach and Gregory together. This is Zach Benson. Track is Take a Hint. Uh, this is a wonderful gay indie pop song and an absolute bop. I love this so much. Oh uh, yeah, I found this so much fun and I found the production really interesting. Like I was really, there were so many little details in there that I kept listening yeah. to. I love the little spoken bits that he does in like his more recent yes, work as well. definitely. It's like, I don't even know if it is spoken, but it's so good. Yeah, I'm so, a big so fan. Good. What else then, Kieran? What else has been ruining your life? Uh, not this song, Ruin My Life by <laughs> Therese. I'm not sure how to pronounce the name. Therese. Therese. Um, but I, I love a little groovy moment and the production on this is so slick. So, yeah. Yes. I, I describe this as lush and that I like it. Lush. I think lush kind of yeah. describes it quite well. I like this. This is very, this is a pop moment. For sure. Yeah. So. And a surprising lack of listens compared to other tracks I saw on there. Yeah. Yeah, I was really surprised when I discovered this A song. little gem that has been discovered by you here. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Go me. <laughs> Go you. <laughs> um, so what's your next recommendation? Ah, uh, you know me. I love a song that uses a metaphor. This oh, is yes. Floor. Same colour as the sun. It's got me written all over it. It's a love song. Uh, that uses the sun as a metaphor. I, think I love it so much. It's so gorgeous. To me, it's like really summery 
and I'm and I'm thinking I need to start my summer twenty four playlist already just to like put this on it and make sure it's there. So pretty, yes. So warm feeling, like Flora, that band that like not many people seem to have heard of. Like when I asked them, but like they're my like go to for like songs that just make me feel things. Uh huh. Yeah, I I'd not heard of them. I really love Floor. I think one of their songs was in Heartstopper, but it's still again, oh. it's like people sort of gloss over them. But I really like them. I think they're great. Yeah. Okay, hit me, Kieran. What's your last one? So I tried to avoid including this, but I've been listening to <laughs> it like nonstop since it came out. So Houdini by Dua Lipa. It's just, I just love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Absolute it's a bop. bop. Yeah. I described it here as textbook pop, but I'm not mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is true. I'm not mad about it. I don't, like, yeah, it's Dua Lipa. I mean, I remember... I don't know when you first discovered Dua Lipa, but I remember discovering her late night Radio 1 oh. uh, on like an underground music show. And it was uh, like one of her first songs. And I was just like, this is fucking epic. So I always have a soft spot for Dua Lipa because Aww. the way she's blown up, it's just nice to see, isn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And what's your last... <laughs> Last musical offering for us. Uh, there's there's was more than thirteen. In fact, this is an album recommendation from me <laughs> because Baby Queen's album Quarter Life Crisis came out this month, Ooh. and when I say I have been listening to it a lot, I listened to a grand total of like six floor songs over the past month, according to Last FM. I listened to songs on this album alone 153 times. Oh, wow. uh, it is relatable sonically diverse and i just love it so much the lyrics like the track i am specifically recommending for our playlist is a bonus track called you suck mainly for the first two lines of lyric which goes you're not a pioneer you're an impersonator you're a symptom acting like an innovator remind you of anyone (laughs) hashtag mask I, I love it. I really need lyrically to so to this clever. Album. I really do. You recommended twenty three. Like, was it last month or the month before? Yes, I I lo- <laughs> I, I I have and that's been great. fully baby pilled. Um, at this point, like I in Cornwall, I just forgot about my playlist. I just <laughs> listened to this album on repeat. Wow. Oh. Um, once you get to track nine, obvious that's that's the moment that you will probably cry because I did, uh, uh-huh. and, and the song before that's called Die Alone, so maybe that'll get you as well. Oh, Grow up, track six, a letter to myself at seventeen, even video games, which is more of a lin- interlude than bonus track, is ah, so good. Um, and also the first track is We Can Be Anything, and it just sets oh. the tone so well. Oh, I love baby. I'm so baby pilled. Can you tell? Um, I think I can. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is up there as one of my albums of the year, along with like wow. uh, Cub Sport and some others. Yeah, it's a late comer, but it's a good one. Yeah, speaking about the track "You Suck," especially, like I love the outro, and I found, oh, found yes. it so groovy. But. I really, fade outs make me sad, but I'll accept it in this instance. It had like a fake finish and then it starts back up, which I really liked. 
yeah, really cool. Yeah, and I need to listen to that album because every song you recommend, I love. So I think that album it's would so be a good. safe bet for me. It's so worth it. It is so good. Right, that's the music room done and dusted. Shall we see who published it? Oh God, I that's have it. I have a treat for you. For the uninitiated, Kieran has located an article from one of Britain's great newspapers, websites, somewhere out there. And my job is to guess where the fuck it was published, slash who the fuck published it. So, past inclusions have uh, been, what was it, The Independent, Conservative Woman, and Conservative Home, was it? Uh, Yeah, maybe, yeah. Okay, so that, that that's that's our history out of the way. Kieran, hit me like a rhythm stick. <laughs> so I'm going to read you the fir- the title and the first three paragraphs. Usually we put the title in. The fact that you haven't scares me. Okay. <clears throat> Modern left hates the working class. <laughs> they sometimes vote Tory. Okay. The mod- okay, that's a great start. <laughs> the modern left seems to be anti-Semitic, Islamophobic, and more than a little bit suspicious of the working class. <laughs> the first point is not really up for debate. From Marx to Keynes and from Corbyn to the current Labour Party, the antipathy towards the Jews is well established. In his little-known pamphlet on the Jewish question, written in 1843, Marx, the holy messenger of the left, tells his followers that the Jew is an egotistical, mammon-worshipping huckster. I mean, we 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 know this. Marx is an anti-Semite. It's not. Yeah. Like, de- it's not like up for debate on the left. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, what are you thinking so far? I'm thinking citation needed. Oh, just you wait. <laughs> oh, God. I, I really want to know their sources for the other claims, especially the, uh, uh, what was it, anti-Islam one. Oh, we're going to get all the way into it. Um, yeah, so, so I've cut out a little section now because this person really loves the sound of their own text, I guess you I would say. I bet they do. Um, but the, the author then goes on to detail some of Marx's anti-Semitic quotes, um, as well as yep. anti-Semitic quotes from Keynes. Um, yep. And then the author moves to more modern times. Oh, this is where it's going to get good. More recently, a little before the recent events in Israel and Gaza, revealed what was only hiding behind a very modest fig leaf. The Equality and Human Rights Commission reported in October 2020 that there were, quote, serious failings in the Labour Party leadership in addressing anti-Semitism. At the time of the report, we note that the leadership of the Labour Party was Jeremy Corbyn and Sir Keir Starmer. No surprises there. What are you thinking? Well, I mean... That report also went on to say about, like, how if it's the same report I'm thinking of, the one that was like, yeah, the failings came from party factions aligned with the right of the Labour Party yep. blocking complaints about any anti-Semitism to make everybody think 
Corbyn was this massive empty semi and just yeah. There's there's a really good video on YouTube about it. Yeah, it's, and it's also that yeah, when Corbyn could, I forget what position Jenny Chapman was elected into, what uh, was put into, but when Jenny Chapman got to somewhere in the party, like Corbyn's choice, they started to tackle the problem. They actually improved the system, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah, they did. They actually got way better at like dealing with all complaints against people in the party, regardless of whether it was anti-Semitism, homophobia, trans... Transphobia, yeah. R.I.P. Guess that one never went through. Laughs in Roe v. Um, So do you have any thoughts about who it is? Oh my God, it could be any of them. <laughs> it's giving the sun, but I feel like it's a bit too... Ah, oh, I don't know, a bit too... <laughs> I want to say a bit too intellectual for the sun. Intellectual. Oh, that's a great word. I feel like the sun would just be, the left are anti-Semites, look at what they did. <laughs> Rather than like, here's proof. This, Yeah, this has got to be like one of those ones that's like trying to fact... Ah, mm. No, I've, I've not, I've not. Unless it is the sun and I'm right. No, it's not. Okay, it's not the sun. <laughs> okay, should I go on and give you a little bit more? If you must. Labour MPs, councillors, members and hangers-on chant from the river to the sea, calling, in effect, for the extermination of Israel in exalted anger. But in their deep hypocrisy, they never seem to find the energy to stir themselves for the hundreds of thousand dead Yemenis and Syrians killed by Middle Eastern powers over the last few years. Still less did they find it within themselves to mourn Christians. The 2019 Foreign Office report on the topic reminds us that 245 million Christians suffer levels of persecution that are close to meeting the international definition of genocide. The eradication of Christians is common practice from Nigeria to the Philippines. It adds that Christianity is the most persecuted religion of modern times, but not deserving of one poxy march, apparently. The the hatred... I'm sorry. sorry. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just let me get through. On what planet? One more sentence, though, to blow your mind. The hatred of Jews explains the very different reactions. Does it? (laughs) First of all, (laughs) citations where? Where have you got this? Where? Remind me, where did they say those stats were from? Um, a foreign office report from twenty nineteen. A foreign office report saying that there's two million Christians are persecuted. Persecuted doesn't mean killed for a start. Yeah, exactly. I genuinely don't know enough about um, the world to I... know whether a fraction of that is true. So I googled Given... <laughs> something and found that um, in the past year, five and a half thousand Christians were killed for being Christian. For being, that is more than I thought it would be, actually. It is. Then, but then you have to contextualise it. And, you know, you can debatably say that the 13,000 Palestinians who've been killed in the past two months. For simply being Palestinian. That's not even a religion. That's yeah. just people. So that <sighs> contextualises the persecution. But 
I don't like that this person is trying to it I'm I and this is a tactic often pulled out against the left. Yeah. Is the like, like <laughs> well you're well you're supporting this cause, but why not that one? And it's like, did I ever fucking say that? You know what I, I feel mean? very uncomfortable saying that like any group that has been persecuted um like isn't worthy of like empathy because they mm-hmm. are yeah quite frankly and like it's complete dog shit to argue otherwise but i think what this person is trying to sort of say is like oh, why are why why do do you not care about christians because christians are the moral majority of this country that have made things so fucking shit for a lot of other marginalized people including jewish people yeah in the past that bit of history i do know and so <laughs> like equating the two seems like smooth brain logic here yeah no really smooth yeah i said to you uh messaging over the month that i had to read this article four times to understand it and then when i went back to it later on i didn't understand it and i had to read it a couple times again because Ugh. it's it's really a wild article and Jacob, we haven't ex- even experienced the turn. <laughs> no, not the turn. Shit's gonna oh, get God, no. very unhinged now. Fuck off. Okay. Um, I tried to cut it down, but I literally couldn't. Oh no. Um. Oh, God, okay. Uh, um. Hit me. I guess I should also put a trigger warning now. Oh lord. Um for mentions of sexual assault and rape. Oh, um that's not for a couple minutes. I'll do another trigger warning when we get right up to it and then it'll last for around 2 minutes. Okay. Yeah. This anti-semitism which considers both Judaism and Christianity to be one in the words of Marx is the point what? of fucking hell, I don't know. Um <laughs> sorry, I'm going to have to stop you there. <laughs> What? Yeah. What? Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry if my voice doesn't work in the next episode. It's because of this article. <laughs> um, yeah. So this anti-Semitism, which considers both Judea- Judaism and Christianity to be one, in the words of Marx, is the point of agreement with Islam. Also seeped in animus towards these two monotheistic for our faiths they stand against the ten commandments which marx calls the groundless law of the jews however behind the left's anti-semitism we find islamophobia to progressives man like software or machines can be improved the implication is that in the past men were bad but through a process of re-education they will become better in this view religion is only a relic of a dark past which needs to be extracted from our polity like a rotten tooth with every step we take forward faith disappears gradually from view ironically though the left does have a religion political power from that perspective power is the element that defines human relationships in contrast bonds of family friendships and kinship are 
antediluvian flotsams on the progressive seas of constant change. With power being so crucial, the workingman's allegiance cannot be counted on. Indeed, he voted for the Conservatives too often. Churchill in 1951, Thatcher in 1979, Boris in 2019. He is not reliable. I'll have a brief, I see brief why you pause to, there. I, I, I see why you had to read this more than once because I have absolutely no idea what this bitch is saying now. Like, <laughs> what? The antediluvian flotsams on the progressive seas of constant change. I thought I was following and then, then, I was, and then there was something about a tooth and then I was like, what on the fucking God are you on about? Yeah, and, and we're not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. As the socialists wrote in Fabianism and the Empire in 1902 of the working classes, their masters are spending money and they are touching their hats. The working man is despicable because he can be bought. He and his kind have and will never be forgiven. As a result... The left decided to import votes. These, they thought, would be more dependable. They would distribute goodies in return for electoral support. <laughs> goodies! <laughs> As religion, to their minds, was and is an irrelevance, the cultural inheritance of the imported voter did not feature. Besides, even if religion mattered in the 1960s, it would, theoretically, become increasingly less relevant as time went on. The opposite happened. Islam. <laughs> Islam, including the Pakistani Diabandi movement, a school of, quote, thought... End quote. The em- <laughs> that emphasizes Quranic principles soon became embedded in the country. As time went on, parts of the country were effectively lost to Parliament and came largely under Sharia. Oh, uh, Sharia! I knew that was coming! Way! Sharia uh, law! I knew that was coming. I, yeah, so I could just sense that was where that was going. Yeah, I didn't even understand half of it, but I knew it was yeah. about to say we lost Britain to Sharia. Bear in oh. mind, bear in mind that this person is saying that the left is Islamophobic, and yet we've allowed Sharia law because we're so Islamophobic. But also, like the shit done. that they're writing, like is hugely Islamophobic. Meanwhile, they're trying to call the left Islamophobic. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm gonna, yeah, here is the trigger warning pause for sexual assault and rape, which are mentioned oh and des- and somewhat described for the next few minutes. It's not the worst, but it's also not the best, obviously. Um, and if you don't want to listen, you can obviously infer what they're going to be fucking talking about. <sighs> um practices fully alien to Brits only five decades ago became regular fare. Female genital mutilations, honour killings and mass rape to name but a few. 
Having sown the wind, the left reaped the whirlwind. Indeed, when it came to our daughters, Jack Straw, former Justice Secretary, said on BBC Newsnight in January 2011 that Pakistani men saw them as easy meat after Tim Norfolk's Conspiracy of Silence on UK Sex Gangs article shook the nation to its core. The Rotherham Chief of Police admitted that his force ignored the sexual abuse of girls by Pakistani grooming gangs for decades because it was afraid of increasing racial tensions. At least 1,400 girls had been raped between 1997 and 2011 in Rotherham. The inquiry team found examples of children who had been doused in petrol and threatened with being set alight, threatened with guns, made to witness brutally violent rapes and threatened they would be next if they told anyone. Not just Rotherham, but Telford, Oxford, Wakefield, Newcastle. These abuses still on, still go on today. Okay, right, so there's the, we're in the clear now. We've got through the bad bit. I, th- I still don't quite understand his point here. Well, I debated, <laughs> I debated removing that, obviously, because it's not nice to include. But I think that, I thought that it was important, actually, to include it, um, just because of the question of what is this person trying to say by including these graphic details in the first place? Well, they're trying to get people to, well, they're trying to elicit emotions, which congrats you did, because that always elicits emotions in me. Um, What the fuck? But for a a piece titled, what was it fucking titled again? For a piece titled Modern Left Hates the Working Class... We are sure as hell going into very graphic detail about grooming gangs and talking about, you know, naming them as Pakistani grooming gangs and focusing a lot on, uh, like, it, it seems to me like they're trying to stir up a lot of Islamophobia. By yeah. by their framing or just of racism in general. Well, yeah, by their you know, basically the article goes the left decided to import votes, basically saying that the left imported Muslims into this yeah, country, yeah. then mm. saying foreign practices became common, and saying that Sharia law then began to take over the rule of parliament in loads of places. And then going into extremely graphic detail about the actions of a few bad people immediately after. Um, very shady. It's wild, considering how this article started that we've reached this place so fast. Yeah, like, how the fuck did we get here? Like, you blink and you miss it. Um, so, now we're arriving at the last section. Thank fuck for that. But rather than admit failure and demand forgiveness, the left doubled down and attacked the victims, promoting multiculturalism as a cynical deflection exercise. The ideology became the carpet under which disgrace was brushed. Brackets, disgrace has a capital D here, so it's an important (laughs) word. Capital Uh, disgrace. (laughs) 
In so doing, the left accepted a balkanised and partial justice system in which laws are applied according to background, creed and cultural heritage. Cultural heritage. For permanent political power, the establishment betrayed our history and faith. It replaced the latter with a doctrine with which it is petrified. In this sense, the left is truly Islamophobic. It is scared witless. Having gambled all on its empty theory of progress, the established left finds it has no power to control the creed. In the short term, both political philosophies are united together in their profound and historical anti-Semitism. The moment the motive is removed, though, all bets are off. What the fuck are you on? <laughs> and how do I get some? <laughs> so, uh, what do you think? Good fucking God, what dark websites have you been on? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> uh, nothing too dark, actually. Oh, that makes me feel even better that it's in the mainstream, then. Um... I mean, wow. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the on this on this fascinating? I don't, I don't piece? even I don't even have a response, which I almost feel is the point, because there are so many different points that I would need to address in that. Yeah, and I would need to double check different information on just to like for peace of mind and also not to get sued or whatever. But like the wild jumps from one thing to the other. Yeah, for a start, just make it terrible writing. Yeah. The modern, also, the modern left. Where's the point? Yeah, exactly. I, There's no cohesion to it. The modern left. What does that even mean? You're not even tar- you're targeting at an idea. What is the left? The left is an idea I made up in my brain. It's why the left is such a weird target sometimes because yeah. it's just a thing they made up in their brains. I mean, I swear to God, this is yeah. so inaccurate to literally anything that. I'm lost for words. Like four whole paragraphs on grooming gangs um, that this person attributes to, you know, attributes to a racialized group of people. Grooming gangs, I'm fairly sure, had a lot more nuance to the yeah. whole situation regarding whatever happened in Rotherham and Nottingham and wherever else they were exactly. t- citing. But- like, I don't know. This, like I, no. I remember the, the the coverage and I remember yeah. there being more to it than just that. But like fucking hell. Yeah, but all of that for an article titled Modern Left Hates the Working Class. Like how the fuck did we get here? Also, where did the like they barely mentioned the working class really, apart from sort of implying that they should be Christian or something like that. Okay. At some so point. Do you wanna hear my interpretation from my multiple readings of this garbage? Yes. Yes, I do. So my understanding of what this person is saying, and it's just my interpretation slash allegedly, is that... (laughs) In Minecraft. (laughs) There are basically two starting points to their musings, which Mm. is the left's religion is political power. Yeah. And they think that religion will die out. Well, they're, they're, I I would go a step further and say they're scared about Christianity dying out. Yeah, but the left thinks the left want it to die out. Is the idea in the argument? 
like the the arguments they're putting forth as to what the yeah. left wing is the left wing the left wing's religion is political power and they believe that religion will die out they hate the working classes because sometimes they vote tory oh, so yeah, about that one. so they you see i don't really get still where anti-semitism comes into this um it's just relevant now that's all yeah it's just something that's getting thrown around because of current israel and that's literally all that that's the only reason that's been mentioned yeah so basically the left imported people from different countries which to me is getting dangerously close to like great great replacement theory to be oh, honest it's basically already shouting it from the rooftops um, <laughs> Um, and the left tried to import these v- voters on the basis that religion would all die out. Uh, and then the left could, you know, fulfill their religion, basically, of permanent political power. But the problem was, is that... How do I say this? Because I I don't like any of these words coming out my mouth. I'm trying to summarise an (laughs) argument that I wholly disagree with. And it's not really an argument. Okay, so back... Okay, right. For the the next minute, I'm just going to say it like... Like, please don't take me out of context. I'm going to use a few of their terms to make it easier for me. Because otherwise this will take me five minutes. Okay, so basically... The left imported basically Muslims, is what they're saying, this person. Imported Muslims because the idea apparently was that they won't be Muslims because all religion will die out and we can buy the Muslim vote in perpetuity with electoral goodies. Yeah, but religion became stronger, Islam became stronger, which meant that parts of our country came under Sharia law. But we are, but the left is truly Islamophobic because we're terrified of the Muslims and terrified of the Sharia law. That instead we just call it multiculturalism and ignore the big, big problem of basically Islam, is what they're saying, and Sharia you, law. You've, you've summed that up much better than the article ever could, and that is exactly what it's saying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah um... i i hadn't i hadn't clicked that when they were talking about like importing people they literally meant like migration and immigration um yeah. to this country by people who are muslim and they're saying that we invited them because we thought religion would die out like that's such that's a leap in logic to begin with like how would you orchestrate that but also yeah <laughs> completely untrue sharia yeah. law isn't in effect anywhere hashtag no go zones <laughs> yeah i live in one apparently according to oh my god really so, iconic <laughs> yeah i'm in a no go zone everybody oh. come for a party we're shariaing it up up in here oh, oh my god, god that would be such a great drag name sharia law <laughs> yes. oh my god um also i think that the whole anti-Semitism comes into it. I'm just going back to the top of the article because I did have an idea about this at one point. Mm. I think that anti-Semitism comes into it in that the left thinks that all religions will die out and hates religions and the left's religion is political power. 
I don't think that's true. No, I, uh, I don't think that. I don't think any of this crap's true, but I think that's what they think. I think there's quite a few religious people who are on the left, <laughs> as it's known. Um, yeah. Um, and don't want religion to die out and respect other people's religions and people's having yeah. no religions and um, embrace diversity and uh, also yeah. understand like the harm that religion can do, especially extreme religion when it comes to children and vulnerable populations. Because yeah. like as an ex-Catholic, I can speak to that my fucking self, thank you. I don't need this prick going in the national news to talk about it. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, any last guesses as to who it is or where it is? Oh my god, I genuinely, genuinely don't know. It feels... Oh my god. I think this was written in The Independent. You are wrong. Would you like to know? I thought you were about to say, you are right! And I was like, yes! <laughs> okay, yeah, tell me who and where, please. It Put was misery. written by somebody called Alex Story. <laughs> okay. In The Express. Fuck off, no way. Yeah. They put that into The Express? Yep. The Daily Express? Uh, I don't know. It's the comment section on The Express. <laughs> Yeah. Jesus wept. Um it was it was painful to read. Um I think you can understand why I couldn't really cut like anything out of that like last half because it was like it didn't fucking make sense as it was, but also but I didn't want you to get that impression from like me having cut bits out. Like I wanted you to really experience like no, this shit is just wild. <laughs> this is absolutely fucking wild you should yeah now i've sent you the article you can also see the very interesting use of uh paragraphs uh line breaks and capital letters if you scroll down to like the bottom of the article it's like really quite sorry. unhinged sorry their, their their latest video is five easy steps to clean your radiator and save money on your heating <laughs> this is the thing they talk about the working class like they aren't like just reading this like being influenced by pieces of shit like this yeah and talking about wokeism kemi's new rules finally put our child safety above transgender wokeism comment oh no Good God, Karen, why? Um, why did you put me through this? We, we, we have to see the worst so that we can appreciate what's slightly better. Jesus Christ, we do. Well, <laughs> thank you for that who published this. I thought I had it with The Independent, you know. I could see this in The Independent. I don't know why I could, but I could. And that's because I don't read things like this. I really don't like reading things like this, so I don't seek them out. Yeah, it broke but, my yeah. brain. Thank you, theexpress.co.uk. You've hurt my head. <laughs> on day 15, you can expect a deep dive from moi on radio. It's the big one. It's the radio one. The one that I'm best known for from my past career. Kieran, have you got anything to plug? Um, It's getting closer to Christmas time. So stream my Christmas music, especially toys, longer version. 
you should it's a very good song and also in the uh show notes of this episode a link to medical aid for palestinians Mm -hmm. is there yep thank you very much for listening this has been pop goes capitalism we'll see you on day 15 ta-da see ya (laughs) 